available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions talking about the Pac-12. We're talking a lot about spring football. We're going to talk a little Cal today. We'll talk some USC today, Dave. And if you have any questions for us on the show, Email us, Pac12Podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast, our website. We can see all the old episodes, Pac12Podcast.com. And our voicemail line is 641-715-3900, extension 734-972. You can follow us on iTunes. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star rating. Lots of different ways to get a hold of us, Dave, if you want to be a part of the Podcast of Champions. Yeah, and um, I recommend if you do call in, don't call in from underwater like where I was recording from last week. <laughs> uh, I think that's probably the best thing. Sorry about the uh, sound quality last week. That was a uh, a technical issue, as they say in podcasting land. But we're gonna we're gonna keep it consistent from here on out. Consistently awesome. We're gonna, the way we do it. We're gonna try consistently awesome. And so there's been some changes. So if people don't know, like um, I'm trying to record podcasts now. I have a little studio. Uh, Redondo Beach near where I live. Actually added some soundproofing and stuff in here. Um, but do, you know, so there were some issues, I think, with some of the quality on the remote. You know, my, my voice was sounding okay and we had some remote issues. So hopefully be able to fix all that stuff and, uh, and make it work for you. So we do, you know, we apologize for that. Um, cause Dave, we want to hear you loud and clear. We want to hear what you have to say about all the good things, you know, I know spring football hasn't started yet, but UCLA basketball here is doing really well. So, you know, you want to talk about that all you want. We want to hear you clearly about it. Oh man, UCLA basketball. Well, this is, you know, recording the podcast in spring, it's a lot like spring ball for the football teams. You know, we're ironing out kinks. We're figuring out what works and what doesn't. Clearly last week didn't work. Now we're going to work on something that actually does work. Uh, One thing that also doesn't work is UCLA basketball. Uh, They lost... Did you know? So I wasn't actually aware of this. Did you know that USC has a basketball team? They, yeah, they, uh, they and they've beaten UCLA <laughs> three times this season. That's crazy. That's like a decade's worth in one year. I know it's crazy. Um, but yeah, UCLA's basketball season. We'll talk about this for ten seconds, and then no more basketball. UCLA's basketball season is over. Uh, horrible year, and to the point where there was some actual legitimate hubbub that uh, Steve Alford was going to be fired. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but um, that's that's UCLA basketball in the 21st century. It's not been very pretty, and uh, that's another very bad year for the Bruins. Yeah, for yeah, SC obviously they won 21 games, so a little bit better. Um, but, you know, they were t- terrible the last couple of years, the first two years of Andy Enfield. And it was a lot, you know, Dave, it's a lot of pressure on Pat Hayden, who's retiring the USC athletic director. So many things have kind of gone wrong for his tenure. But one thing that with a little feather in his cap, I guess you could say, is that the basketball team did turn things around. Now, we'll see if that they can continue with that. But it looks like they're going to be in the tournament. 
Um, you know, they, they beat UCLA, then lost to, to Utah uh, on Thursday night. But it's, uh, I mean, th- how bad they were the last couple of years, it's a pretty big turnaround. Um, so we'll see if they're able to take that next step and make any kind of noise in the tournament. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But I, I do want to say this about the Pac-12 tournament. I didn't go this year, but that thing is awesome. Um, even when the, the teams aren't very good, even when the Pac-12 has been kind of down in years past, having that thing in Vegas at the MGM and having all the different fan bases and fan, you know, just all the different teams and their fan bases there, it's just so cool. Like the atmosphere in MGM when you're like walking to the game and you see Colorado fans over here and Oregon fans over there and USC fans over here and Utah fans over there. It's just so neat. Um, and, you know, for football perspective, I really, really hope we're getting closer and closer to them building a real stadium in Vegas so we can have the uh, Pac-12 championship there every year because that would be so awesome. Oh, that would be that would be great. And, uh, yeah, I really wanted to go this year, and I was thinking about it. But it's just tough to – USC had spring practice. It's just hard to justify missing a football practice to cover, you know, a basketball tournament like that. But I do want to go out and check it out and, and see what it's like. I, you know, one of the things I, my intern Keely was out there, Dave, and she films a lot, you know, she'll film the, from the sidelines, the football games, and we'll put up a, we're allowed to put up like a three minute highlight package. She'll do video interviews after the games and stuff like that. And she was told by the Pac-12 people that you're not allowed to shoot highlights of the Pac-12 tournament, which seems kind of weird because you would think you would, you know, put up a couple minutes of highlights would only kind of enhance the product. I don't think it would take anything away. Uh, but there was that. And I got, we had a lot of people on our board complaining, too, that if you wanted to watch um, other games, if you only have the Pac-12 national network, quote unquote national network, uh, you can't you can only you were only getting like you needed the local, the regional channel to see. So you needed the L.A. one if you wanted to watch USC UCLA. But if you were in Utah, for example, you couldn't watch that game to kind of scout to see what was coming up next because. You, you had to have the LA channel to watch that game. So I don't, I don't know if you're aware of that day, but that just seems weird. Like that they would limit it that and, and just not allow the Pac-12 fans to kind of watch as much basketball as they wanted. Well, that seems kind of par for the course for what we've seen from the Pac-12, um, Pac-12 network, at least. It's just not been a, a user friendly product in many different ways. I mean, they haven't really bent at all to get a direct TV deal done. And it just seems like they're not super interested in actually facilitating everything for the fans who want to watch. Um, and, you know, the highlights are uh, another thing where you know, nobody's watching anyway, so you may as well put the highlights up. I mean, it's it's not like it's proprietary when no one can actually see them. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's the Pac-12 being the Pac-12. And, you know, it, it, it's such a cool event that I recommend anybody who can get there go at some point because it's, you know, it's, it's like going to Vegas for March Madness, except you actually get to watch the games in person and hang out with all the different fan groups. It's just kind of a different experience. The closest thing it was was to kind of like going to the Final Four. If you've ever been to a Final Four, those are really cool events because it's, you know, the whole weekend and you're hanging out with, you know, fans from all the different uh, schools. It's like that, just three times the size. You know, there's 12 teams instead of four. So it's, it's, a, it's a neat thing, and I recommend uh, people go and do it. All right, well, that's that's enough basketball, Dave. Uh, we don't want to talk to – we've probably lost all our listeners already. Um, we want to talk some some college football, spring football. Some of the teams in the Pac-12 have started. We talked to Stanford and uh, Arizona last weekend. We wanted to talk to a couple more teams uh, this week. USC got started this week. We're going to talk about that. We're trying to get 
our buddy Ryan Gorsey on the line, Dave, and uh, haven't got a hold of him yet. So we'll we'll hold out hope that he's going to come in. But we'll we'll talk what we know, some USC and maybe some UCLA stuff. But hopefully we can get Gorsey on too. Yeah, that'd be good. But um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start out with USC um, because you're here and you're right. going to this podcast, and we don't have to call out to you. So um, how long have they been in spring ball now? Is it a week? Two weeks? Yeah, it's uh. Their schedule's a little weird. So they started off, it's a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they've had two practices this week, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, they've switched to afternoon. So they're like a 3.30. They say 3.30, but they were actually starting at 2.45, which I don't get, but whatever. So uh, then they're going to do Saturday mornings at about 10 in the morning. So they'll be this week. So tomorrow, this today's Friday. Tomorrow, Saturday, I'll go to practice in the morning. Then they have spring break. So they have three practices then a week off. And then they do... Um, I guess it's uh, four more weeks after that. So it's a little bit of a weird schedule, but the biggest thing is that they're going to transition from regular practices look like they were always in the mornings. They're going to be in the afternoons now. Okay. All right. So any big news and notes from USC breaking camp? I mean, anybody didn't show up? Anybody who showed up who uh, you weren't thinking was going to show up? And Anything interesting from the first couple of days? So the, the biggest thing, Dave, is, uh, Dory Jackson, uh, you know, the former five star plays everything, you know, corner, receiver, slot, running back, uh, return guy. He's, uh, focusing on track. So we got to see him. He came out on Tuesday in street clothes. He's not going to be taking part in spring football. Um, and, you know, someone that's that experienced and, and, and that, you know, athletic and knows everything. I mean, the coaches just praise, you know, they, they praise him all the time. But he does have a lot of roles, you know, and so you would kind of like to get him out there, especially with the new system and stuff. Uh, but they, you know, when they recruited him, they said, you know, he wanted to be able to to run track and everything and focus on that and try to make the Olympic team and everything. So they're going to let him do that. Uh, they had a couple of guys that were sick with strep throat that came back. A um, couple uh, disciplinary guys, uh, Don Hills, a uh, uh, defensive lineman, uh, outside linebacker kind of guy, and he had an off the field issue that they didn't really go into. Um, but so he's not going to be participating uh, in spring football. There was some weird stuff kind of going on with Chad Wheeler. Uh, he was injured last year and there was an off field incident, but he's back now and he's battling um, for uh, the left tackle spots. So there's kind of three guys going for the two tackle spots, but he was the original starter at left tackle. And then Scott Felix, there was some weird stuff going on there too. They, the one thing with Clay Hill, we haven't been getting a lot of, answers they're like mentioned some sort of incident but uh it doesn't look like he's going to be participating in spring ball either his official status is uh undetermined uh right now and it was kind of like that for the last couple of months um but he was you know starting kind of uh rush end what they called last year we're not sure what they're gonna you know what if they use different terminology and stuff this year but so those guys uh aren't around but for the most part you're, you're seeing a lot of people out there they got a lot of receivers um there's a lot of guys on the offensive line competing they got seven new guys that are you know uh, early enrollees um so there's a you know a bunch of new faces out there but just a couple of them that that aren't participating with the biggest one being adore jackson probably the i mean looking at it i mean there's a, probably a few big notes and it seems like this is pretty consistent across the board for a lot of teams this year uh the first one is quarterback situation cody kessler graduated last season um and now it's it's a little bit of a battle between, I think, Max Brown, Sam Darnold. I mean, I know it's only two days, but I know Max Brown kind of came out and said the other day that 
you know, he thinks it's his to lose. Um, what's your take on the quarterback battle at this point? And have you gotten any indications that it is a certain players to lose or is it really an open competition? You know, they say it's a, an open competition, but my, you know, my gut says that it really is Max Brown's to lose. So it's Max Brown, who's a, he was a former five star and former number one quarterback in the country. And he's, he's going to be a redshirt junior. So he's been around a while backing up Cody Kessler. He was in that original quarterback battle in 2013 when Max Wittick and Cody Kessler and Max Brown were battling it out. Max Brown was a true freshman and Lane Kiffin, uh, if you remember, didn't name a starter until the third game of the season. So that was kind of a weird, that was, you know, he didn't last much longer <laughs> after that. Um, but he's been backing up Cody Kessler ever since. Um, and I think he's gotten better. I think he's filled out a little bit more. He's got the experience. The other guy, you know, Sam Darnold from, uh, the Orange County people down in San Clemente, really athletic kid. And a lot of the coaches we talked to, even the guys that were, you know, coaches that were fired last year, they really loved him. Like the defensive coaches that got to watch him run the scout team last year when he was redshirting. Uh, a lot of upside there, but you know, being a redshirt freshman, it just seems like it's going to be harder for him. Um, they got Jalen Green, who moved back. He was from Sarah High School here in Southern California. Moved to wide receiver last year. They moved him back to quarterback. Throws a really pretty ball, but it's just been kind of inconsistent. Um, but another athletic kid. And they got Matt Fink, who's also a lot. Most of the guys besides Max Brown are, are athletic. Matt Fink, true freshman. I don't think he really has uh, much of a shot there. But so the thing with Max Brown, Dave, is that he's, you know, he's been around for a long time. Redshirt junior. He's going to graduate, I think, this semester. So he could theoretically, if he's not named the starter, transfer out. And he could go to a place like Alabama, where Lane Kiffin is now, and start for two years. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to transfer out, win two national championships at Alabama. Oh, and I get to play my first game against USC in Jerry World. So I think there's some political pressure, to be honest, to to name him. Because if you don't name him the starter, it's not like he's going to stick around. He can leave. Uh, he's, you know, when he wasn't named the starter before, I think he was really good about things and said, you know, I'm, I don't want to transfer. I'm not going anywhere. But if it gets to the point where he gets passed up again, the fact that he's already graduated, he could just leave and, and play right away. So it's a kind of a weird situation with that. But my gut, Dave, is that he'll be, Max Brown will be named the starter. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's, I, I've always thought it was kind of smart for quarterbacks, especially with the new grad transfer rule to, Try to if you're not going to be named the starter as a true freshman, like you know a Josh Rosen or a Jake Browning, uh, try to graduate as soon as possible. Like try to try to get your three years done because that way you give yourself some flexibility for the end of your career where you could, you know, if you're pretty good, you can go find a spot to start in for two years, even if you never win the job at the school you originally committed to. So, sounds like Max Brown is doing the smart thing. Um, I mean, obviously, scheme fit is going to be an interesting thing for the quarterback competition. You've said Brown is kind of the one, you know, you never want to call a, a, a college football player a non-athlete, but <laughs> he's the one non-athlete in that group. Do you get the sense that they're going to us, you know, kind of that spread option style that's going to require a little bit more athleticism at quarterback eventually? Yeah, you know, it's fun to, to watch. You try to gain <clears throat> when you can from watching practice. And uh, it looks, our, our beat writer Dan Weber was saying, you know, it looks a lot like what Western Kentucky was running and they have, Two of the Western Kentucky co coaches on the staff, Tyson Helton, who was the offensive coordinator, although he didn't call the plays at Western Kentucky, um, and Neil Calloway, the offensive line coach. So you have T. Martin, who's a you know first-time offensive coordinator. You know Clay Helton's been dabbling in different things, and and what Tyson Helton brings. I think there's kind of little pieces of everything, but we saw you know we saw in practice where they were still doing that kind of you know the 
inside handoff fake zone read sort of thing. They even had a design run for Max Brown in one of the the team drills they were doing. So I think I think they're going to use that. They're going to utilize that. Um, you know, it, it'll probably. I think it's still all being developed and kind of put together, taking little pieces of this and pieces of that. I don't think what the offense will be. I don't think it's going to inhibit. They're going to change what they do because it's Max Brown. But I think you're going to have those kind of inside handoff fake zone read deals would be a lot more effective with one of the other uh, quarterbacks. But a lot of short passing, it looked like. I, I kind of was try. you know, when we do the quarterback competitions, I try to track all the passes and we put our little formula together and come up with our own quarterback rating just to see how, you know, we do compared to what <laughs> who selected. So, like, we had Cody Kessler ahead, like, in 2013 with our quarterback rating. And we would adjust it for, like, if you're playing with the first-team offense but you're playing the third-team defense, like, you get dinged for that. But if you're, like, throw a long touchdown with a third string offense against the first team defense, you get bonus points kind of thing. So um yeah, it's kind of nerdy. So that's my former engineer. Coming up. <laughs> but what I, I tracked the passes yesterday, we haven't put it in a formula yet, but I was tracking them at practice on Thursday and a lot, I mean like 85% of them were all kind of short passes and you know, there's no pads yet or anything, but I kind of get the feeling Dave, it's going to be a short passing, you know, controlled sort of uh, offense from USC. What's the, I mean, I know when a lot of new, I mean, I know this isn't a new staff because, I mean, Helton was the head coach for a while last year, but have you noticed any kind of practice differences? I mean, I know when a new staff comes into a certain school, oftentimes you'll hear the tempo is so much better or something like that. Have you noticed anything like that this spring? Are they coming in with any kind of attitude emphasis like that where they're trying to, you know, up the tempo or, you know, have more physical practices or stuff like that? Yeah. So I think they've downed the tempo. Um, there's ah. yeah so like sark's thing was up tempo and it was all about you know do a rep do another rep do another rep do another rep um which was kind of cool i guess but there was also like if you did it wrong you just kind of passed it over um so helton talked about like really emphasizing technique and get he had a four t keys were four like four t's that were his keys so I, let me if i remember it was like technique toughness uh trust and togetherness and so technique was yeah. Yeah. So the technique thing was, Hey, if you do something wrong, then they want to correct it and, and do it again. So I think there's been kind of fewer reps. They talked about really being a lot more physical in practices and they'll do like, they've done like some walkthroughs, brief walkthroughs in the morning. So they kind of know what to expect during practice and then they can get more physical. Now they haven't had pads on yet. So you're not really seeing the physical aspect of stuff, but I, I kind of get the feeling, Dave, there's a couple shots at, at Justin Wilcox when he was talking about the defensive side. Because Clancy Pendergast, the new defensive coordinator, uh, really is focused on uh, – he loves being aggressive. I don't think like Arizona State-level aggressive, but pretty aggressive. And, and Justin Wilcox was not. But he he mentioned – Helton mentioned that it's one defense. It's a singular thing that you keep running and, and everyone knows well and you get the techniques down. The I guess the knock on Wilcox was he would kind of change the defense every week depending on who you were playing. And, and this is going to be more about here's what we do make other teams kind of adjust to uh, stop it. So there's that on defense. And on special teams, they bring John Baxter back. And so, yeah, there's new coaches, Dave, but a lot of them have been here before. So you kind of like some, you know, people you've seen before, people I recognize. Like, oh, I remember interviewing him a few years ago. But they do right. they do a lot more special teams work because a guy like John Baxter is really focused on that. That makes sense. Um, and then the format's a little bit funky. Uh, do you want to go into like kind of the reasoning here? Because aren't they taking about nine days off in the end of March and then they come back for another two weeks after 
doing these first two weeks? Isn't it some weird thing like that? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the uh, so it's one week on, and then they take a week off for spring break. And you know, this is a new. I don't know what you know. I think UCLA they they might be able to start after because of the quarter. So yeah, you could, they start after the quarter. Yeah, so starts. It, it's kind of weird with the spring break thing, but I don't ever remember this being an issue until the last couple of years. And uh, maybe they used to do spring ball through spring break. I'm not sure, but now they kind of take off for that. And sometimes it's like two weeks in and you got three weeks after this is one week in, and then you take a week off and then you got four weeks uh, after that. So it's a little bit strange to me, um, you know, the timing of it and all that. I thought you could kind of wait till just wait till after spring break, but just everyone's schedules are so different. And, you know, I guess all the coaches have different philosophies of why they're doing it uh, when, but I thought even with like the USC staff, you you have new pieces put together. You could do some recruiting and kind of wait a little bit, wait till after spring break and get things going. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure why, but it just seems weird to kind of practice one week and then take a week off. So aside from quarterback, obviously, which is going to be a big question mark heading into the year, just, you know, even if it's Max Brown, how he's going to perform in games and the whole deal. What, what would you say is kind of the biggest question mark from maybe a unit perspective? You know, not the schemes because those are going to be different. It'll be weird. But like just, you know, is there some area where you're seeing, you know, there's some questions to be answered there? I would say on the defensive line because there were so many seniors that are gone. Um, check on that. They had a, last year it was weird. They had a lot of freshmen and a lot of seniors. So they're going to expect those freshmen to play. A guy like uh, Kenny Bigelow, who was a former five-star guy, you really hadn't contributed that much. You know, they're going to expect a lot from him. So that'll be something to watch. Trying to replace the production of Sua Cravens, because even when their schemes, which most of the time didn't look very good, he was a playmaker. So he could go out there and make things happen, you know, led the team in most statistical categories. So what are you going to do at the linebacker spot? And what, one guy you should watch, um, Quentin Powell, who I really like, you know, kid from Florida was always a little undersized. He's kind of like a 215 ish, 210 linebacker and but you know killed it on special teams but he would never get in the rotation and they were like oh he's not big enough blah 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 but they were missing tackles you're like this guy can tackle like why is he not on the field somewhere and they had him running with the the ones you know Clancy Pendergast did and they moved him inside even though he's not that big and just because of the way he's able to make play so I I think there's going to be some guys that maybe were just afterthoughts that on the defensive side that are going to come out and you know sometimes it happens when you have staff changeover uh, come in and play. Um, but th- you know, those on the, 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 uh, on the defensive side, I think offensively, just who's going to be that number two wide receiver. Juju Smith is the guy. He's, he's always going to be there and they have a whole bunch of dudes to choose from. There's like 12 or 13 wide receivers out there, but they never really established a number two. Um, cause I think, you know, at running back, you're going to have Justin Davis and Ronald Jones who both, you know, you know, look good at times. And, you know, Ronald Jones was a stud freshman last year. But they needed that number two receiver to step up. So they got a lot of options, but I'm just not sure who that's going to be yet. So that's one of the other things we're going to be watching this spring. Is Michael Pittman healthy and in school yet? He is. He's uh, enrolled. So he broke his collarbone. I think it was at the, yeah, I think it was down in uh, San Antonio at the Army uh, All-American game. I was down there for that, filming him. And uh wasn't sure he's going to be back, but he's back out there. Now, I don't know once they have pads uh, and there's contact if he's going to have to wear like a non-contact jersey, but he's out there fully participating uh, as of now and looks good. Him and they have two pretty big receivers that are freshmen, him and Josh and Metorbebe, 
He was originally from California, but then his family moved to Georgia. And his brother, Daniel Mentor Baby, uh, on the team too. He was a, he went to Florida for the spring semester, then transferred out to USC. So he had to sit out last year. So he'll be a redshirt freshman. So both Mentor Baby brothers, uh, are freshmen, one redshirt, one true. Uh, and they're both on the team now too. So bunch of, bunch of new faces, but the, the receivers they're bringing in, those two guys are pretty big. I know you saw Pittman a lot and, uh, but some big dudes out there. Yeah. I love Pittman. Um, and he had a huge, uh, senior season as well. And, you know, there was always a question about him, whether he was going to play defense or offense, but he kind of answered that in a pretty emphatic way. His senior season, he was, I think just putting up ridiculous numbers at receiver. And if you watched him, you know, some guys put up big numbers and you're, you know, then you watch him and you see he's not all that impressive. He's just playing in an offense that facilitates it. He's a hugely impressive dude, really athletic, really fast for his size, six, four, six, five, um, big dude. Um, he's going to be a matchup nightmare uh, for USC once he gets fully healthy and ready to go. So He's good. You know, the other guy that looks really good as a true freshman, uh, four or five star from Sarah, uh, Wally Batuku or Betuku or however you say it. Um, Betuku. Betuku. We like that. Uh, looks, I mean, really impressive. Just his, uh, it's funny. We were watching him yesterday and very dark skinned player, you know, and there was like this shine on his arms and his kind of sleeves were a little rolled up or whatever and just, you could see like all the definition on his arms. I think the, the shine kind of made it even a little more pronounced, but man, you're just like, look at that kid. And he looks like kind of like Clay Matthews does like two years into his NFL career. Or no, he, he looks like a Greek God. And he has like, honestly, since, I mean, since I first saw him out at, what was it? Like Nike last year, the Nike camp in LA, it just, he's just chiseled. He's like a, a sculpture of something. Um, so that's fun. And he's, just so you all know, uh, he's a guy who decommitted from UCLA at one point and then committed to USC, which is uh, always, always fun for cross-town rivalry purposes. But that was just a weird, that was a weird thing with uh, his mentor and everything, right? Like, there was, there was all kinds of weird uh, there stuff. Was, there. there was all kinds of weird there. <laughs> all kinds of weird. Um, but, but he looks good. He's like, uh, I think Clay Helton mentioned him yesterday, um, like a, a, I think it was like, a, I don't want to. Not, uh, I don't want to uh, screw up the quote, but it's something like a, you know, a prize cult or something, you know, like where you, you know, there's all this, it's, but he just, it's like rambunctious energy. Like he's not trained or anything yet, but he's just like all this potential and all this, you know, good feet and quickness and size and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, he's like, he doesn't know much right now. He's just kind of just running on adrenaline and, and pure talent. And so they kind of have to rein him in a little bit and get him into the system and see how he does. Yeah. Any other freshman looking good? Oh, good point. Um, let's see. So quarterback Matt Fink, he's like, ah, oh, he's all right. Um, it's just, you know, he's not going to get a whole lot of reps. I would think those three guys that we mentioned are probably the ones that kind of stood out right. the most. Okay. Uh, we, do, right. you know, we do have a little, we have Gorsi if we want to, if I don't do know if have any other USC stuff, we can switch over to Cal if you want and we can talk to, him, to our buddy Ryan. Yeah. Let's do some time with Gorsi. All right, let's uh, let's do that. So we're going to bring in our buddy, our pal, uh, BearTerritory.net, Ryan Gorsey. So we have him on the line now, our buddy, our friend, Ryan Gorsey, who is in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament where the, the Cal Golden Bears are still alive. I heard uh, you've been having some fun out there, Mr. Gorsey. 
Yeah, last night I uh, went to a strip club with Hookah. It was my bliss. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we were up till 3 a.m. And then I got home and said, you know what? Uh, I got to, like two more videos I got to put up because that's how I roll. Uh, so I did that uh, and then just passed out for the last nine hours. And I am up and I'm working. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm writing the Utah preview as we speak. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, party never stops out here in the desert. Wow. That sounds that sounds incredible. Sounds incredible. Um, and Cal and Cal's been winning out there. They, they beat Oregon State. And so who do they have today? They have Utah, number two seed Utah. It's Pac-12 Player of the Year, Jakob Pertle, Pertle a turtle. And uh, it, it's a tough matchup. Cal and Utah split over the season series. Each home team won, as happened with Oregon State, and as happened with just about everybody that Cal played over the course of the season, uh, splitting on a home in the road. Uh, but hey, you know, they, they looked pretty uneven last night. And boy, you know, Ivan Rab just could not miss. I think he was, uh, he's something like nine for 11. Uh, Jabari Bird was, uh, was, I think seven for 11, uh, five of seven from three. Uh, just an awesome performance by those two. Really, uh, a performance that I think is, is going to put Ivan Rab up there in the top 10 as far as, uh, NBA draft picks. And Jalen Brown had a tough night and Jordan Matthews had an off night, but, you know, you put those guys together, you have those guys going, and Tyron Wallace had an awful night shooting. But once you get those three guys going, all, all five of those, that's that's a tough, tough team to beat. All right, you've exhausted us on basketball. Now we got to talk right. football. <laughs> um, all right, so Cal, when did Cal start spring ball? Cal started spring ball on Monday. I was able to see uh, that first practice, and, of course, Cal has a huge quarterback competition going on. Put tons of videos out on each of those guys. Uh, I filmed as many reps as I could get. I got about two minutes on each guy. Unfortunately, only about a minute on Ross Bowers, but between two and three minutes on the other, uh, the other four guys going for that job, uh, to replace Jared Goff. And it's a tight one. It's going to be a tight competition. I mean, there's five guys, right? With their, their hats in the ring. We, you know, usually it come down to one or two. Do you think, I guess like the political races, are they going to start eliminating candidates or is it going to be like wide open for a while? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, unfortunately, the Pac-12 tournament fell right in the middle of, of this crucial first week. So I've been out here. But as soon as we get back, you know, we got another Monday, Wednesday next week. Uh, that we'll be able to see a little bit more. But yeah, that's what Sonny Dyke said is he wants to kind of whittle things down as things, you know, as, as time goes. And, and it, like I said, it's going to be a tough race. I think, uh, uh, the guy I have to get my feature done on soon, uh, before he's eliminated, if he is, uh, is Zach Klein. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folks will remember Zach Klein from that 2012 recruiting class. He was a four star. He was a an Under Armour All American, uh, absolute cannon for an arm. Not the uh, doesn't he, he's kind of that that pitcher that has a 95 mile an hour fastball but can't throw a changeup or a curveball to save his life. He doesn't have uh, the great touch. His touch is a little bit better than the last time we saw him, but certainly an intriguing guy. A great story was at Cal. Obviously, lost the job. To Jared Goff in the spring of 2013 after redshirting under Jeff Tedford, went to Butte Community College, was going to head to Oregon State. And then they got Luke Del Rio. Then the coaching staff changed and the floor fell out from under him there. So instead of going to Oregon State, he went to Indiana State for a year where he found out on the last day of fall camp that he would not be starting and uh, and only played in three games. So uh, he's a guy that's close to my heart. I love the kid. A great story. He's just happy to be on the team and he's happy to to take another crack at it, and if not, he's perfectly happy with the, with the headset and headset and clipboard just just to be around these guys and to graduate from Cal with his degree. So, you know, I was I'm a big fan of Jared Goff. Um, 
how much of how much of his success do you think was system related? I mean, in terms of plugging in another guy, I mean, how how easily do you think you know somebody can be eighty percent of Jared Goff? Do you think that's a realistic a realistic thing that could happen this year? Uh, when they got Jared, Jared Goff is. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you have a player who's number one, number two uh, quarterback in the draft, maybe number one, number two taken, it's. Uh, it's tough to replace him. I mean, Jared, you look, I've looked at these quarterbacks and is any of them 80% Jared Goff? No, I don't think so. I think the closest thing you have is a chase forest at a Santa Ana modern day. And he didn't throw the ball much for the Monarchs. Uh, he redshirted a year and then he was Goff's backup last year. And he, the feet are the same. The release is the same. Uh, a, a, a tick slower because I think Jer- I, it, you really and not only watching these guys in person, but then looking at the tape again the next day and really breaking everything down what they do is uh, it's it's very educational because I've looked I've been watching Jared Goff tape for three years and now I'm watching tape of everybody else and you really appreciate what Goff was able to do and his skill set. And how unique he was. I think Forrest, because he came up in the same system, has a lot of the traits that we saw from Goff. And he looks the most polished. And so I think if there's a favorite, it's him. Can somebody be 80% of Jared Goff? I don't know. I think you're going to have to wait and see. Um, But I I, I don't see it. I I think Chase Forrest is probably about 75% if uh, if that's any help. All right. Okay. Um, outside of the quarterback competition, what are the other kind of battles or different storylines that you know, the fans of the Pac-12, other fans, you know, opponents of Cal should be watching during Cal Spring football? Uh, the wide receivers. Of course, uh, Jared Goff was so good, but, you know, King Arthur needed his knights, and he certainly had a few. He had six guys on the outside that were insanely productive over the course of their, of their three or four years at Cal. Uh, you know, Kenny Lawler, of course, is going to be a, an, an NFL draft pick. Bryce Treggs, I think if he runs a 4-3 his, at his pro day, certainly has a chance at that apple as well. Uh, Maurice Harris, very underrated. Steven Anderson was at the NFL combine. He had a pretty decent, uh, decent time. Trevor Davis, I think absolutely just, just blew the combine away with his speed. You know, there are a lot of guys that Cal obviously is going to be missing on the outside. And so it's, it's the quest to find the new, the new batch. And they certainly have some really interesting weapons. Grayson Bankhead gray-shirted last year out of, out of Corona Centennial, and he's looking much bigger and stronger. That year off really helped him. So uh, Carlos Strickland uh, is another guy in the out. Jordan Vesey and Jordan Duncan, two early uh, early enrollee guys. Vesey being a JUCO guy, Duncan being out of Texas. Uh, they've looked spectacular. The guy who's really just blown me away is Melky Stovall, and he's a guy I, I know – uh, USC is committed to USC very, very early. Uh, so you, you guys have probably seen him a little bit, but he is, uh, he's, he is amazing, uh, as far as the speed and, uh, the change of direction and the quickness. He's going to be somebody who, who opponents are just going to hate, uh, hate and love at the same time because he is just so fun to watch. So, uh, th- that, that's the thing that's most exciting for me as far as, uh, where else that Cal needs work, linebacker. Uh, they're they're missing Hamilton on Hawaii. Uh, he's still he's still on the shelf. 
uh, Jake Kearney, medical retirement with a severe back injury that he fought through all last year. Uh, and, and, and really there's, there's, there's a, there's a paucity of, of linebackers. Cal needs to, to find a way to, to fill those gaps. Ray Davison has come on really strong. I love him. Uh, of course you have Hardy Nickerson who, who uh, said X called the bell cow. So linebacker Cal is going to, going to need to, you know, Devontae Downs has been a bit limited, but I think he's the future there as well. So Cal's going to need to find, uh, not, and they have frontline guys, but it's the twos and the threes that I think are worrisome because they're just not there. And I think finally, uh, right guard, you got to replace Jordan Rigsby, who played all over the line over the course of four years. And it looks like Dwayne Wallace is going to be, uh, going to be a favorite there. And then Patrick McCary as well, although he's going to rotate in at center. So the, the, those are the three spots that I'm looking at, uh, the most. So I remember last year, Ryan and I were, uh, Ryan Abraham and I were uh, very much on board with Cal going 11 and one. You know, you, you got us, you got us kind of excited about Cal when we did our season preview. How are you feeling right now without Jared Goff? I mean, what's your, you know, shot in the dark? You've seen one practice, just knowing the team the way you do. What's your, what's your assessment of how this season should go? And what do you think would be kind of the minimum successful season for Cal? Like hitting its goals and, and getting to where it should be this year, given the talent on the team. You know what? I think a four to six win team is not out of the question. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I look at it and go, yeah, I think I think the team and the program are more stable than they've ever been. I think the depth is better than it's ever been. The problem is, at, while you're twos, threes, and fours, and I think this is the opposite of what we talked about a year ago. The, it's the opposite. I was very happy with the ones. I was very worried about the twos, threes, and fours. Now, very happy with the twos, threes, and fours. Not so sure about the ones. You know, you're losing... Jared Goff and those six wide receivers, and you're losing a guy like Darius White at corner, who is an absolute lockdown. You're losing a guy who's been at Cal for the better part of a decade in Stephen McClure at safety. You're losing so much of your front line. I mean, the, by the way, the March 18th Pro Day is going to be off the hook. There's going to be a lot of talent there and a lot of NFL scouts. I would venture to say the entire league is going to be there, and it's with several general managers. So you're losing so much talent. And yes, while the, the, the depth is better, it's still, it, 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 like we said, you can't replace Jared Goff. You know, kind of like you know is a fantastic receiver. Is he Bryce Treggs? At this point, I, no. I think he will be uh, in, in that mold, surely. Uh, Melky Soval is certainly very exciting, but he's just a freshman. So, you know, you're losing a lot of talent there offensively. Defensively, uh, you know, you're losing, you're losing a guy like, like, uh, like, like the, yeah, uh, like Mustafa Jaleel up front. You're losing Jonathan Johnson, a defensive end. Like I said, you're losing, you're, you're bringing in a lot of new guys. And there's some really good new guys, but hey, they're also bringing back their three most productive running backs and four out of their five offensive linemen. So they're bringing back a lot of the a lot of the foundation, a lot of the cornerstone, a lot of the bedrock. I think four to six wins. I think they can maybe sneak up to seven, but I think this is going to be certainly a rebuilding year for Cal. So one of the things, uh, Ryan, I, I agree with you. It seems like even though you lose some big name, uh, you know, like a, the you know Jared Goff and stuff, and but it seems like the team, the the foundation of the team is getting a little bit more solid. Uh, the the biggest issue though is you know not just losing Goff, but the whole Pac-12 North. Is it's better, you know, and 
it, that's why it might be a little more difficult this year for Cal. But I mean, how do you weigh that? You know, how would success be rated when you feel the team might be getting better? They're building a better foundation, building, you know, just the building blocks of the program are there from Sonny Dykes. But man, everyone around them up in the Pac-12 North seems to be, you know, taking leaps ahead at this time too. Yeah, I think that's 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 the that's the worry. That's the concern is that yes, you may be getting better, but everyone else is really getting better. And that's I think they've been the concern with Cal fans really like I mean let's you know let's say what it is the last 5 years. Oh yeah, what a great recruiting class. Cal got, you know, the number 30 recruiting class in the country. Yeah, but USC, UCLA, Stanford, Oregon, uh they got the the you know 5, 10, 15, 20th classes in the country. You know, like, oh, 30's not bad, but then the rest of the Pac-12 is ahead of you. So you may be doing all right nationally, but when it comes to your your own backyard, you're not at all. So, um, you know, that's, it's tough. Uh, it, and and it's it's tough because Cal's also dealing with some uh, very stringent academic restrictions that, that this job, both football and basketball, honestly, uh, that have they've not been used to dealing with these restrictions. I mean, Jeff Tedford, at the end of his tenure, with the academic issues that were surrounding that program, really, I, I think, poisoned the well, in a sense, because now Cal has to go, you know, now all the donors are like, oh, oh yeah, 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 academic, uh, uh, we need to bring in the kids that are going into Stanford. And, hey, you know, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that, but unfortunately, it's such a big pivot for Cal. They've been able to get in some of the guys that maybe – couldn't get into Stanford or, or, you know, they've been able to be as a public school, they've been able to kind of take, take, take that crowd a little bit, but now they can't. Now they got, now they have to recruit nationally against programs that have been doing it for a lot longer and have been better at it. So, you know, while Cal is still a good, you know, in many ways recruits itself, given the school and given the, uh, given the location and, and, and all that, it's still, you know, you're still, you're still trying to, you're still trying to do something against teams that have been doing it for a lot longer and a lot better. So I think that's the tougher part about getting better. They have to find their niche right now. All right. Well, good stuff with Ryan Gorsey. We're going to, we're going to let you go and either sleep it off more, <laughs> which I think is good, or just accelerate the process of getting back into the party state that you will be in tonight. Indeed. Uh, but either way, you're in Vegas. You should go enjoy Vegas. Um, Mr. Abraham, did you have anything else for Ryan? No, that's great. I, you know, could have, USC, if they would have beat Utah last night, USC and Cal could have played. Uh, I would have been there, but I would have been drinking with you in spirit, Ryan. <laughs> well, we, we, we did run into an old friend, Dan Greenspan. He's, uh, he's been hanging around here. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. It would have been great to play USC, but, uh, Utah, whew, that's going to be a tough nut to crack. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on and uh, spending some time, carving out some time from us between all your partying and covering the Cal <laughs> Golden Bears there in Las Vegas. We appreciate you coming on the show, bearterritory.net. Definitely check it out if you're a fan of the Golden Bears, the sturdy Golden Bears. Uh, you got anything else, Dave? We, do, we good. I'm good. All right. All right. That's David. Take, That's David take it Woods. easy, boys. Oh, thanks, Ryan. That's Ryan Gorsey. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We're the Podcast of Champions. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We'll continue our spring football uh, outlook and everything going on the next couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.